you're listening to the Nerdology Podcast. This is a weekly podcast where I, master of all things, musically stringed, lover of lamps, talk to my friend, Hector, about all things music, TV, and film related. Hector, how are we doing today? We are doing A-OK, as you know, and... Some other friends know I took a drive around the world, basically. Got home literally 20 minutes ago before recording this, so I'm ready to row. No pun intended. Let's do this. Where to begin? May, may the fourth be with you, Hector. May it's the fourth a, be little, with you, too. It's still it's Star Wars week, so it it's still, still applies. Star Wars. It still applies. Revenge of the fifth, Revenge of the sixth, however you want to see that, you know. Got yeah. got to gotta love it, man. You love to see it. And, you know, with this beautiful Star Wars week, we had a lot of things to watch and look forward to. Man, this is one of the few weeks of the year I really look forward to. How about you? To be honest, I forget it's a thing to, up until about a week that it happens. And like, oh, yeah, next week that's a thing. I don't understand why it's not a national holiday at this point. It, it needs to be. Honestly. I, I mean, so many people celebrate it. And, I mean, to be fair, I think Disney went all out this year for it, you know, giving us not just one but two star wars episodes yes. and one of them being 75 minutes yes and not, let me just preface that is the longest disney plus original premiere episode as of this recording that's almost a motion picture length it, it is longer than some movies it's crazy and you know uh we're well, of course we're going to be talking about the bad batch season one episode one shortly um but before we do that Unfortunately, for some of us, we have to finish reviewing Zack Snyder's Justice League. As we talked about last week, we discussed parts one to three. Now we got parts four through six to finish off with. The burden we must bear. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think the chapter f- chapter three finished with... Uh, how did chapter three finish? I didn't go back and watch, but um, I-, I know that chapter four picks up right around... Uh, the first major action set piece, That's right. which is um, them going into Gotham Harbor, I think. And, you know, Steppenwolf kidnapped all the scientists and stuff like that. Um, now, since this is technically the final time that we're going to review it, first, I'd like to address my overall concerns and things I did not like about the film overall. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it last episode, but every time Wonder Woman did something, we had to have some ancient lady... Like, um, not to mention the slow mo that went with that ancient cry (laughs) every time, every time. And subtitles for it, it, I I watched the it with subtitles, it, it, the subtitles ancient lamentation music. And like, I would not want to be lamented with this music. Like, if anything, this music just like it pierces my eardrums. Um, and the I never got on board with the aspect ratio of this film, the Mm. the weird, like, how. The weird box. Um, there is a reason for this. I did have a quote from Zack Snyder, who said that um, since these, you know, characters are basically since these characters are larger than life, he feels that in this aspect ratio, um, it it captures that sort of larger than life feeling for these superheroes, which is all well and good. But at the same time, you are so limiting yourself to like, especially the last major action piece, um, the the fight in the city. It just feels so small and condensed as opposed to like what it was like in Endgame where 
with the just normal cinema aspect ratio, everything felt like you could, everything was so wide and there was so much action going on on the screen. And I feel like that got limited in this a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, we did see some nice, uh, nice screen time. As we mentioned last week for Flash and Cyborg, Um, we saw a little bit of more, we saw a little bit more of that here in part four. Uh, Part four was entitled Change Machine. That's what part four was entitled here. And we see Batman, the Flash, Cyborg meeting together for the first time, and even um, fighting Steppenwolf for the first time. That was a pretty good opening bout um, between those four individuals. Something that I want to ask you about, because I know you had a strong opinion about this specific character, but we also saw Martian Manhunter's introduction um, to this universe here. Would you like to share, Jack? I just have one question why why did they why did they feel the need again this that just I felt like it was there just to extend runtime like he he didn't even help out in the final battle he was what was he doing like I I don't know I I, and I didn't bother to look up if Zack Snyder had a plan for him apparently it was supposed to be the Green Lantern in this film but WB being the degenerate weasels that they are decided that no you can't use this character you can't use john stewart um i don't know why um apparently they say it's because they got like some future plans with the character whatever that means uh like, yeah you've already you've already come out and said that this movie isn't canon to the rest of your movies so what's the harm in it right um anyways yeah i don't i feel like he that big reveal at the end of when we first meet him like Martha, I'm doing in quotations here, Martha Kent and Lois talking, her basically, you know, telling Lois to keep moving forward and stuff like that. Mm. And, you know, during that scene, it feels like, you know, a mother talking to her her daughter-in-law, like, you know, who's basically Lois is kind of depressed at this point, right? She can't seem to move past Clark dying. And, you know, it felt like Martha was just trying to pick her up and move her forward and, you know, and then when, at the end, when it's revealed that's Martian Manhunter, all that emotional value is tossed out the window for some grand reveal, which he looked terrible. I'm so, I know that this film had limited budget and not a lot of time to work the CG, but in compared to some of the other CG characters, he looked awful. Yeah, it could have been a, ho- a heck of a lot better, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. And then when he showed up at the end, too, like the, the after the... Bruce's nightmare for some reason, which I don't know why he's still getting those. I like it, the first watch through those, those seem cool. Like the night, like the end nightmare sequence. But then I realized that it had nothing to do with anything in the movie and Martian man thing at the end where he's, I think he said something along the lines of like, there's a great war coming. And it's like, I don't know if he just missed it, but it was like right over in like Russia or something like that. Like buddy, we could have used your help instead yeah. of flash reversing time and, having to save the universe practically yeah he just i did not appreciate martian manhunter in this film oh definitely he was a la- he was being lazy basically he ba- when i when i was watching Matt, uh, martian manhunter Hunter in this film here he reminded me of how batman was in the first justice league movie we hardly see him fight anybody he was hiding the whole time yeah. and you remember when superman was first resurrected in the 2017 version how Everybody was fighting him. He was hiding behind his Batmobile. And then yeah. He brings out Alfred and Lois. And then, like, that's when we see him get yeah. involved in this fight here. 
Like, this guy's a punk, lazy little coward, man. Which is fair enough. I mean, like, you, uh, Batman doesn't know his limits in a way. It's like, okay, that is Superman, and he's quite angry. Um, yeah, I don't... That was another thing I didn't really... Vibe, I still don't vibe with the Superman. I'm, I've said this many times, and I'll say it again. This is not a great adaptation of Superman. Um, just because I don't like how stoic and... He's very, he seems just very serious all the time. And, you know, you and me both love Superman and Lois for like Clark being this like dorky nerd. Yeah. On top of like, you know, just being a caring, like it's, it's the little things about Superman that we appreciate, right? Not, not the grand, um, not the grand gestures of saving, like, you know, saving a building from pummeling somebody, but like after he saves them from that building falling on them. You know, he goes ahead and picks up their hat and hands it to him. And he's like, here you go, pal. <laughs> and, you know, and the kid's like, you know, hey, nice suit. And the, the, the appropriate Superman response and what Superman and Lois captured so well, thanks, my mom made it for me. <laughs> and he flies off. Like, that is Superman, right? That's definitely. And we never, we never get to see that in Zach's, nor will we ever get to see that now that Henry Cavill has been fired. Um, on his birthday. On his birthday, like... This is a story for another day, but WB, man, like, they don't know how to please their fans. They just know how to please investors. They're single-handedly destroying this franchise, like, with these DC Universe, the DC comic, anything DC-related. I, I, I sent you the meme, right, of, um like, from the the Endgame scene where Captain America oh. goes back in time, he's fighting himself, and he, like... He's got him, like, yes. the rear naked, like, the, the chokehold, and it's, yes. like, WB with their fans. That's definitely... It's always torture. I mean, we talked about this with the Flash series and how the Arrow series ended and all these different things where they had so much potential to be successful. And I'm still worried about how, how Superman and Lois will be treated in the, in the future, you know? I just don't want them to ruin it because right now they have something beautiful. Yeah, I, I've stated this earlier, um, what it's like for them. It's like season one studios are hands off they just let the creators do their things but as it starts to make more money that's when yep that's when the studio wants input um yeah i just overall i didn't vibe with this film especially if, uh let's talk about the flash here for a second they severely put him on a crutch in this film oh um like they had to make him like first off i don't understand like he was moving near speed of light at the end of the 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 final battle where and then somehow some random turret manages to catch him like two things should either happened it should have missed him entirely or he should have been like phasing through it because he is moving near near speed of light right like no i don't care how good of a crack shot you are even if you're an alien crack shot you can't that's impossible there's just no way but they they had to do that to make him seem less powerful right right and and when he's um when he like pokes the sword to Wonder Woman, and he trips, like th th it's just those dumb little things where it's like, really, that that's just what they had to do to make him seem less powerful. For goodness' sake, they all they made Barry Allen and the CW's Flash face through objects and face through buildings and borders, boulders and whatnot, and they couldn't do that for this uh, Justice League Barry Allen. He he did once, he did once in this film when he resurrected Superman mm, and like right. he had to flip over the cube. And then he, again, this is like, he knocked himself out with this move. He faced the wall and then he 
banged his head against the outer wall like a friggin' idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I didn't really vibe like I just didn't vibe with like how erratic he was and stuff like that. This Flash, like that's that is part of the Flash's character since he kind of thinks faster than most people. Yeah, but this it, it felt like all the time, you know, he wasn't taking anything seriously. He he mm-hmm. was just comedic relief, and that was just I didn't vibe with that. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so um, one thing that I will say that I appreciated about part four here um, is as opposed to its 2017 counterpart, um, the Justice League, they had a very good chemistry. Um, Most of the time they were on board with each other's ideas and they were working together. Remember, Jack, in the 2017 version, they were all the exception of uh, Bruce Wayne. Everybody was against resurrecting Superman. They thought it was a horrible idea. They were pretty much fighting him and. We had like a whole 10 minutes worth of arguments um, in Wayne Manor about why this is such a bad idea. Then freaking Bruce Wayne dissed, uh, <laughs> he dissed Diana. She like slapped him or she walked away. Like it was like a oh type of moment. Um, but in this case, they were on the same page. We also had the introduction to the anti-life equation being on Earth. That's what Steppenwolf was speaking with Darkseid about that. Um, so some high, some high is here in this chapter. Uh, me personally, though, I think the most highs was in Chapter 5, Part 5, All the King's uh, Horses. Now, we saw that resurrection of Superman. We saw that epic fight that they extended, and we saw a lot more from that fight. I thought that was a pretty um, high note for the movie. What do you think about that fight? Uh, yeah, it was 2017 copied. It, it took a lot from that fight. Um, the coolest moment, for sure, was when Superman sees the Flash running around him, right, trying to flank him, and he's... You see his eyes dart, and the flash is like, "Oh God!" Um, <laughs> that was that was really cool. Um, again, it's one of those things where it's like you're fighting Superman, right? Yeah. Uh, and I don't understand why he stopped when he saw Lois. He didn't seem to recognize anybody else, but he sees Lois, and it's like, I, I don't know. He's he's fine again. That um, was weird too. Like he he even recognized Bruce. And he wants to beat the holy crap out of Bruce. Like. How does he recognize Bruce and Lois and no one else? Like it just, I get, I get yeah. it. Story, story reasons or whatever, movie reasons, but it just, yeah. it's pretty stupid overall. They have a word for that. It's called contrived. Um, oh, geez. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, at least they got rid of his terror. At least he didn't have the terrible CGI face. <laughs> you know, and he didn't have that terrible line where he was like, "Do you bleed?" Oh my that, goodness. That was really weird. So I'm glad they took that out. Um. It was better, like I said, it was better than 2017 version, but still, I don't think it was amazing by any stretch. One thing I did find amusing about that, about that fight was when Barry, Allen, and um, Aquaman are trying to fight Superman, and pretty much Superman, oh, yeah. he jukes Flash, and he crashes into Aquaman. I am so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Aquaman just does, like, the point, like, you're next yes. sort of thing. like. <laughs> That was cool. Again, that got me pretty hard too. It's like, it's like Aquaman was like Snyder fans, and WB was the Flash. He's like, I am so sorry. It's like Aquaman's pointing at him. That's a pretty good analogy. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Except they're not sorry, not at all. Oh, uh, not even um, the least. Yeah, I just, um, it. Uh, whew, sorry, I lost my train of thought. It was a cool set piece for sure, like cool action. But at the end of the day, I just don't think it was amazing by it just feels very bland right like not very inspired 
Like there wasn't any cool sort of things going on. It was literally just people trying to take down Superman, which we've seen before. Um, you know, and it's just that's the problem when you're trying to fight Superman. It's he's yeah. just too powerful, right? I like, like it would have been like imagine if Batman picture this, like yeah. There it's kind of like a now this is harkening back to maybe what Josh Whedon could have did. Um, like, you know, everyone's trying to fight Superman, it's just not working, right? And the fight gets taken into Metropolis and it's like, you know, they're trying to prevent as many civilian casualties as possible. Cause Superman, he just doesn't really care, right? It's not like he's meaning to, but it's like he just it's kind of in this state where he can't remember how to control his powers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so on top of trying to neutralize Superman, everyone else now has to try and save civilians. And then Batman's like, all right, that's it. And he's like, Alfred, like, you bring it in. And like, I don't know, like maybe like the bat jet or something flies by and drops off like an improved version of Batman's mech suit from Batman versus Superman. And he's kind of like, all right, guy, like he tells everyone else in the Justice League to get as many people clear. And he goes toe to toe with Superman for a bit. And like, I think that would have been cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it, it sucks, man. Like we as fans of the franchise of of DC Comics, and us being critics, there's so many things that we can always make better in these type of films. But unfortunately, you and I don't have the official experience or the money no. to make such no. calls to reach the ears of these executives. Uh, these cowards. That's my, that's my word for them. They're cowards. I hate them. Cowards. Yeah. Ugh. What you think about part six? Something darker. Than part six. It's mm-hmm. when um, you know. Superman's uh, black. Superman's black suit. Um, the the final fight against Steppenwolf. Uh, different things again, like that. Uh, Superman's black suit was cool looking. It didn't. I didn't really understand the purpose of it, other than the fact that maybe that's the only one that that was the only one around or something. Um, you know, seeing the Justice League. Um on that ship together and stuff was cool, I guess. Everything, Zack Snyder knows how to make everything visually appealing. Thematically and story-wise, though, he just doesn't have that down yet. That's true. Um, And so, you know, he's like, there was a line that (laughs) really stuck out in my mind where um, he's like, he's like, uh, Bruce was talking to them like just before they were about to land in the old Russian town. He's like, I don't care how many gods or demons they face. It's like, they haven't fought us united. And it's like, I don't know if you remember, but underneath the Gotham Harbor, they did, and they severely walloped you. That's um, a pretty bold statement. I thought about that, too. I'm like, well, yeah. let's not get carried away here, my dude. <laughs> yeah. And then um, uh, I think I'm glad they took away the red filter from 2017's version. That really weird red-looking filter it definitely made it feel more grounded and real um, in that sense. So glad they did that. Um, again, though, I I just don't. It it was a, like every time Wonder Woman was in frame, it had to. They abused slow motion at the end of this film. Yes, like they severely abused it. Yes, and part of that is definitely the. I think why I felt abused is because it was actually abused uh, three chapters earlier, like basically every part of this movie before it. So it made that epic scene of Barry reversing time just feels so slow and monotonous because it's like slow motion again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Let me go home, please. Like I imagine the editor had a gun to his head. Like 
Zach's like, you got to make this slow motion. And the editor's like, I just want to see my family. It's like, you will after you make this slow motion. <laughs> Nothing surprises me anymore at this point, Jack. I wouldn't no. be surprised if that happened. Um, what, what I thought was pretty cool was um, seeing the mother boxes introduced in this film here. Um, I've, I'm a really big fan of um, Injustice, those games. Uh, Injustice 1, Injustice 2, and... The mother boxes are are big parts of the storylines and also inside missions, things like that. So it was pretty cool seeing them finally introduced in a motion picture. Um, that being said, the mother boxes played a huge role towards the last fight against Steppenwolf. Cyborg separates those three uh, with the help of Superman, obviously. Um, prior to that, the Flash uses the Speed Force. What are your thoughts about the Flash using the Speed Force to save the world, basically? visually the most appealing part of the film like it was and the fact that did you know that wb back when snyder was um helm still to do the like release in 2017 they wanted that cut and they even wanted it cut in in this version when it released but it's like it is by far and away the most pivotal moment for barry's character right like yeah. he the whole film is he he feels like his you know, he's predetermined to just kind of be alone in a sense and kind of like he believes that his destinies are already, you know, laid out for him. But that whole thing was like he has the ability to change it, both literally and figuratively. Like he has the, the ability to shape the world and his world at the same time, right? And the fact that WB thought that that, that you know, him saving a little Russian family instead of going back in time and saving the world was the right call, it's just... He, boggles my mind what's so hilarious about that and this is for you in case you haven't seen it also for our listeners um if you guys remember i'm a huge fan of cinema sins a youtube page um and that guy his name is i think it's russell i don't even know the guy's name jeremy. But anyways jeremy close enough but like he went on a rant about that russian family and words that i cannot repeat here on air but he said some explicit words about this family that family was not needed. That family was so stupid. I wish the, I wish they just were taken away in this, you know, been chow basically for those demons. I I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't deal with them, dude. I no. couldn't stick with them. So good good on Zach for realizing that they were just dead weight and would have added just more time to an already loaded and long movie so. another 15 minutes oh don't we're not including slow-mo so 30 minutes extra 30 now. minutes yeah we would have obviously had to have the slow-mo them making soup montage of the movie so uh yeah good good that they got rid of that although i think that that wasn't even in the Zack snyder's like original cut of the film that was introduced by joss whedon so oh, geez um yeah glad that he didn't take anything from his film and then um, the final nightmare sequence mm -hmm. was uh, interesting as well. It, it definitely had some cool, like, interesting character dynamics that, um, I don't know. It it bugs me that Joker was there. Um, and it, it's not so much that he was there. It's the, it's the relationship, again, that these two have together, Batman and the Joker. He, he, Batman straight up promises the Joker... That he's going to kill him. Right. And this wouldn't be a problem if it has already been clearly laid out in past movies that Batman is already a killer. Because if he's making that threat now, why hasn't he killed the Joker already? 
right? I, I that's something. It's, it just I don't get right. that part. Like, um, you know, it just makes no sense to me. Um, like that should definitely he shouldn't have been there because Batman should have already killed him. Like if he's willing to if he's willing to threaten it at this point, it means he would have already threatened it by now, and he should have done it by now. Um. Uh, it just felt all. It just felt put together so sloppy. Yeah, and, and you know, um, I'm sure you probably heard too. Um, Henry Cavill and Jared Leto, they weren't in the same room when they filmed that scene. They were for for time um, conflicts or whatever. That was filmed over each other. So I don't yeah. know who was filmed in the in the original one and who was put afterwards, but they weren't together in that film either. No, I think that's why there wasn't even a shot of them like wide of them together it was just constant cut back and forth right over the shoulder camera because i think they filmed in zach's backyard on separate days so um which is hilarious like the fact that they could even do that that i did not even know yeah they filmed in zach in zach snyder's backyard for that for that scene that i think that was the only scene that they filmed new was the nightmare sequence and it wasn't even needed no not at all no if it's a like if it's a premonition of the future, like I, I don't know, like why hasn't why hasn't Bruce like talked about it yet? Like he's clearly had a couple of these now, so why hasn't he talked about it with anybody? Or like, right? I don't know. And maybe we could have explored that a little bit. And I feel like if Zach had gotten his way, we could have had that explored in like the next two movies that he wanted. But I don't know if I could have. I don't know if I could have done it. Like. I just didn't vibe with this movie. I just didn't. Overall, I just didn't. It it wasn't my jam, baby. Uh, yeah. Um, one thing that I noticed that was pretty interesting was, uh, remember the original end credit scene for the 2017 version when Deathstroke enters uh, Lex Luthor's... Uh, you're, you're thinking... Oh, wait, no, you're not. Never mind. Yeah, you're thinking... I, I thought that was the end of Batman versus Superman, but I'm wrong. Lex, Luth- Lex Luthor's um, yacht, and then they're having that discussion. And um, of course, if you if you folks remember the end of the 2017 version, like why don't we have a league of our own? And I'm like, oh wow, League of Doom, wonderful, you know, whatever. And so now we have a different conversation going on now. And this was supposed to set up Ben Affleck's solo film, which is not going to happen. But too many teases, too many things going on here. Should have just not even have that in the movie at all. It just I close my <laughs> eyes only for a moment and the moment's gone. That's the I was thinking all around me are familiar faces. faces. <laughs> Worn out places. Because dude, that death stroke looks awesome. Like I like that death stroke. So have you heard kind of like their what their vision was for him? What? So it, it was supposed to be like he's not like in the, so in the comics and stuff, he is a military experiment, right? Basically, right, DC's right. version of the super soldier serum. Um, they didn't want to go for that. Zack Snyder and uh, the Deathstroke guy didn't want to go for that. They wanted to kind of make him sort of like the the equal opposite of Batman. Like, they were both trained by the League of Assassins, by Ra's al Ghul. And then, I, I don't know, apparently, like, Batman killed Deathstroke's son or something like that, which is so out of character for Batman. And then that pisses off Deathstroke. I've and, heard about that now that yeah, you mentioned it. And then Deathstroke teamed up with the Joker, I'm pretty sure, and burnt down Wayne Manor and killed uh, Robin. 
who's actually mm. Dick Grayson in that universe, not Jason Todd. Which again, I'm not down with that man. Everything is all over the place. We cannot even yeah. say that enough about Warner Brothers' version of Z- of DC. And it feels like that because they didn't let Zack Snyder. Con- I feel like it would have felt more cohesive if we had had films, right? Instead, right. they're having to explain this all after the fact, which is like it's just so much information overloading us. But that is just clearly Warner Brothers not having the faintest idea of what to do with their. They are so trying to play catch up right now. Like, is it any coincidence that they decided to make Superman black after the Falcon and Winter Soldier just had their pivotal moment of revealing a black Captain America? Yeah, is it, quote, is it quote, any quote, coincidence? coincidence? Yeah, is it any coincidence? Like, stop and take a moment to think. Mere weeks after it happens, that they decide to announce it. You know, and and that's what got. Warner Brothers version of DC in trouble in the first place because remember the Avengers came out and you know you have all these big time big money films that uh, Marvel was coming out with and DC was just trying to compete with them and I think we mentioned this a while back already had DC been more patient had DC taken well this is not even DC at this point it's Warner Brothers had Warner Brothers taken time with this they were patient with it they knew how to nurture these characters they knew what the how how they're supposed to be orchestrated by just reading a comic. You know, you can learn how these characters should be nurtured. But no, they wanted to throw it out there, what they had, and okay, hopefully this comes out decent. Oh, on the contrary. As, as the saying goes, read a book, guys. Just read a book. That's all um, they had to do. No. That's no, all they, they didn't had to want do. To. Good, because have you played any of any DC video games like Arkham Asylum, Arkham I played Knight, all, all them? The, I played all the Arkham games. I loved every one of them. And and why was that? They took so much time nurturing these games, the character development, and like I said, I'm a big fan of it of Injustice One and Two. The story modes are incredible. Man, I was talking to one of my buddies about Injustice Two. Had an amazing story, you know, Brainiac and everything. And um, God, if they could just put that into a motion picture, it'd be the best superhero movie, one of the it, best at it, least. It probably would, yeah. But it, 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 it would. You never get to see that. You could, and that's where Henry Cavill's Superman, I feel, it could fit really well, right? Very serious, very stoic. He would be a great over-the-edge Superman, right? Um, but no, we're probably never going to get to see that. You want to know why? Why? They just don't. They just don't care. Simple. Don't care. Simple. Simple as that. So, um, overall, we'll, we'll, we'll grade these. Uh, we'll grade these parts, aka pretty much the whole film, in three different categories. So we got. Uh, Story development, visual, and score. How would you rate each one of those? Story is a solid four and a half. Four and a half, five. Four and a half, five. Visually speaking, it's a good seven. Mm-hmm. And then score, unfortunately, it's just too forgettable, so I'm going to leave it at a five. Okay. So for myself, I'll, I'll put the story at um, barely, but at a six, pretty much a D minus. Still a bad grade. Uh, yes, the visuals were nice. Um, seven. And yeah, the score, not as impressive as Marvel or Star Wars or any other film for that matter. <laughs> but no. I'll, give it a, I'll give it a four and a half. And so, yeah. And can we just say like, while we didn't love this film, there's plenty of people that did. And it, I, I'm just glad that we got to see a community sort of band together and basically strong arm a studio just into giving us what we wanted at the time. 
Um, and I, I felt like it was great too because even though again we didn't vibe with this film, this was Zack Snyder's. This is the this is the version that he wanted to make for his daughter, and I'm I'm happy he was able to do that. So yeah, even though we didn't vibe for this film, I can respect it in a way. Yeah, and, and we can both agree, at least, and fans, so that way the fans don't hate us too much here, it was better than 2017's version. Oh, miles. 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 <laughs> Look at that. Same time. I love that. Same thought. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends, Chris, his his saying is, world's better. Yeah, world's better. Definitely was uh, world's honestly. better. And it, w- it was an overall better film, and, you know, it was bearable throughout, at least. So, yeah. that at best. But anyways, that's our that's our final review of um, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Our next um, topic of the of this uh, podcast episode today, as you all are aware, on Tuesday, May the Fourth, be with you. We had the Bad Batch premiere, a seventy-five minute episode. Oh my goodness! Dude, this... it was yeah, I. You go ahead first. You start. So You're jazzed, just to, I can tell. Just to catch uh, everyone up to speed here, it, it takes place right after um, the series finale of the Cone Wars. Um, literally right after. So Order 66 um, was executed. And spoiler here, in case you guys haven't seen it already, um, you might want to skip the pretty much the next 20 minutes or so of this yep, podcast. Spoiler, spoiler. Um, Order 66 is still going on. We saw a Jedi get killed in the beginning of this episode here. What? And we see uh, a Padawan, you know, see his master get slain by Jesus. It looked like 20, uh, 20 clones. It was a lot of them, dude. Yeah. They... It was a massacre. Yeah. <laughs> I I thought, yeah. I mean, if if it really requires spoilers to tell them that somebody, that Jedi died during Order 66, that's like saying spoilers rain is consistent of water <laughs> falling from the sky. Like it, yeah, I, I thought it was amazing though. Um, like, so pa- so the Padawan escaped. We don't know where he's at right now. Um, we all, he, we know who that is. That's, I bet, I bet where he went though. We know who he is, oh, but I'm oh, yeah. where he, where he hit at. Yeah. He just, he just off doing things. Just, uh, he just jumped over. He, he force jumped over freaking mile long uh, gap yeah. between two big old mountains, basically. Uh, and you know, I, I would tell you, Jack, you did call it about Crosshair. He was conflicted of how he was gonna uh, react to Order sixty six. You called that from the beginning, so kudos to you about that. Yeah, and I like that it wasn't like it really wasn't like his fault in a way, right? Like it was, it, it was explained that uh, spoilers the inhibitor chip is uh stronger in a sense than like yeah. in his mind than all the other clones right so you know he he wasn't like just like it wasn't just like a light switch right like it was a very sort of like you know it, you could see there was kind of like inner turmoil in a sense but there was a side that was overpowering the other um yeah, yeah. and i love the 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 what i like about this team in a sense is it's like every character is so diverse and unique and they all play off each other so well. And to think that there's literally like one voice actor for every episode, like D D Bradley Baker, I think his name is, he does all the clones and he does a phenomenal job of voicing his characters and giving them personality and depth. I wonder what his routine is before bed every night. Like, does he drink hot honey tea and gargle it or yeah. do something to keep that voice going? Because 
you remember like uh, a wrecker like that guy screams in every line that he <laughs> he has yeah. in the show and then oh geez kudos to him man yeah i and it so far it has done everything that i thought it would um i sorry let me keep talking about episode one here i was about to talk about episode two yeah um, we'll keep it at one for this one next yeah. could be two yeah um it, it was about you know like it's essentially like imagine if like like a seal team or something like this is this is an elite seal team of sorts and they're like fighting in the middle east and all of a sudden it's like they the war is over because they just killed and like basically they're they're superiors all of a sudden and it's like everything is supposed to be hunky-dory like and they just cannot wrap their minds around what the heck is going on because they didn't like they don't understand why anybody was killing the jedi yeah like even when they get told they still don't really believe it like this it, it makes no sense to them right right yeah i i i mean everything about this episode was pretty much hitting high notes um the action sequences the the storytelling and i mean it was a beautiful um continuation of uh the clone wars one thing that i really liked was um, the first fight between Crosshair and pretty much the rest of um, his partners here. That was a pretty cool fight going on. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, what was your, what's your first impression of Omega? I know she's the subject of a lot of hate right now, but as a, <laughs> I, I, I kind of have to, I kind of have to get with it because she did kill a lot of moments. Like, I, I hope as the series progresses there isn't a reason for her being there other than just like i understand where it's kind of like she hunters it's sort of like um the mandalorian and baby yoda it's a very um you know it's a dynamic of father daughter dynamic and you know hunters trying to navigate that of sorts it's i wish they didn't though kind of well it is an interesting story beat i i just kind of wanted to keep it with like maybe them continue like you know, really before we, we got to see a little bit of in this episode where it's like um they they were assigned by Tarkin yes. to go apparently take care of separatists. And they get there and it's Republic fighters and they're like, What the heck is going on? And I wish we kind of got to see a little bit more of that, right? Where it's kind of like yeah. the corruption of the Empire slowly start to seep in and they're getting sent on more and more of these bogus missions yeah. that they aren't down with. But like I said, even though she's annoying, I can appreciate the story beat that they're going for like yes while i want to club her head in with a pan it's i, I don't know she's you're so for, for for you saying that you're you're too positive about this jack i don't know because <laughs> other than that i really have no complaints about this show so it's kind of like well <laughs> and it's like well damn i guess right like i'm caught between a rock and a hard place where it's like <laughs> i you know i appreciate it but at the same time man she's an annoying character um I, I know I just said uh, a few minutes ago that we'll talk about episode two and that came out uh, yesterday, last night on the 7th. Um, I just to say this much, not trying to spoil episode two yet for you guys. We'll talk about it next week, as I mentioned. I really hope she does not become the next Ezra as we got from uh, Rebels. A lot of you folks, including me, despise Ezra, and I'm sure we're going to see Ezra make a return and Osoka's series, I'm not looking forward to that at all. I don't like him. I really hope that she doesn't become as annoying as him 
because he ruined the series for me. So we'll talk about that in episode t- episode three of the podcast about her character development, episode two of the series. But you're too positive, Zach. Jack. I cannot do this right now. Come on, man. I I, I honestly like. Yeah, I I can't really say too much bad about the show just yet because I don't <laughs> think it was terrible at all. Like, you know, I loved the dynamic too of like out out in the field, like the the troopers that are out fighting right now. Like, you know, Bad Batch, Clone Force ninety nine is revered, right? Like they are right. they are they are like basically like they are legends, right? But right. when they're back on Camino, they're nothing more than like defects and rejects, right? And that was a moment that I kind of appreciated too when Echo sat down next to them. And they're like, why would you want to sit here? And she's like, well, because you guys are like cool, essentially. Like she she vibes with them, right? Um, later we find out that she is a, a defective clone just like them. Yeah. And so I thought that was cool. And I thought the action in, in this episode too, like the training fight. Oh, bro. Super, super inventive Dude. and cool. I, I was just going to mention that too. And I don't know if you noticed, but I was trying to look at this episode pretty closely here. Um I noticed there was more CGI um, so far. I noticed some CGI stuff in um, episode one, especially when that Jedi was slain in the beginning of the episode. Um, the movements looked a little too smooth, and I'm pretty sure there was some CGI used for it, which was pretty cool. It's a, it's a nice little touch. Oh, you're animators. talking like you're talking like mocap stuff, like they right, got right, actors. Right, right. In, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah. I thought you were pulling my leg. Like this whole show is CGI. Oh no, 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 no. I, okay. I don't know. I, you mentioned the term. I already forgot what you said, but that term that you use right now, the 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 method that they mo-cap. use here, mocap, okay. right? Motion motion capture. Okay, mocap. Cool. So yeah, I, I noticed they used that a lot in episode one, uh, which was really cool, man. Because remember. Um, remember in the the Clone Wars when uh, Ahsoka was fighting Darth Maul, and they used mocap for that fight. Yeah, it was Dude, super smooth and it cool. It looks so amazing. So we saw that again. I, I noticed it. They used it again. I'm pretty sure we'll have some behind the scenes. Hopefully, I'm right about this. But mm-hmm. um, it looked like mocap to me, and I love seeing that extra little touch they use for an animated series. And even overall, the animation was great. Even in non mocap um, parts in this series episode here. It, it looked awesome, man. Like it did. Oh man, I I don't have like like you. I don't have any complaints yet. Um, so far with this uh, this series, they started off pretty nice. And um, while we were discussing this here, and, and was, who do, and who do we have to thank for that? Oh, Feige. Well, no, but I guess. But I'm thinking more our Lord and Savior Dave Filonian. Oh, the him too. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the, he he helms every single one of these shows and. I swear he knows Star Wars like Jesus knows the Bible, like just inside and out. Like he knows the leather that it's made from, like where each like each page, which tree that page came from. Like it just, yeah, I, I think without him, this show wouldn't be as good as it is. I really hope you don't get struck by lightning for that comment. <laughs> oh, here it comes. Yeah. Uh, perfect accuracy, brother. Why do I um, hear boss music? <laughs> Watch the freaking cameras here for our, our podcast start flickering and the audio yeah. cuts off. Um, I really like how Game Rant um, reviewed this episode here, and they ended up by saying this right here. Um, it says, Aftermath, which was the title of this first episode, presents a promising, if underwhelming, opening to the Bad Batch. And this is a key point, everybody, because we've had this um, – negatively talked about with Warner Brothers and how they held DC characters and their series, shows, movies, etc. 
This is important here. As long as Dizzy takes the show in exciting directions from here, everything will be just fine. Disney, you haven't ruined The Mandalorian yet. You didn't ruin the series finale of The Clone Wars. Do not, I repeat, do not ruin The Bad Batch. If you botch this, I will find you, whoever is head of Walt Disney right now. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Yes, yes. So, Jack, overall, um, we don't need the greatest per criteria or category. Let's just do an no. overall rating here. That way we can get to our final segment. Yep. But um, what would you rate this out of 10? Episode one we're speaking of. Nine, nine and a half. Nine I'm with half. you there, brother. Just because, just you know, sorry, Omega. I, I like. She's I like, the reason why we yeah, were yeah, from yeah. the 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I love it. Trust me. It just, no, I just don't quite vibe with you yet. That's all I'm saying, right? Like, give, uh, give me a couple more episodes to warm up to you, and I'm sure we will just be A-OK. Yes. Man, I'm excited for this series, man. Um. I saw episode two this morning, um, and it's it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to episode three next week. But anyways, we're going to go ahead and continue on to our final segment. We saved the best for last, and we're going to be spending the most time in this segment here. Um, as you guys recalled in Nerdology Podcast's respective Instagram, Jack and my respective Instagrams, we posted a question for you all. In light of Star Wars Week, what was your favorite movie? series, video game, comic book, or book that relates to Star Wars, and why. So we have a lot of responses. We can't get through all of them, but we'll get through the best ones that we see fit for this. Q uh, theme music? It, it, it's only fitting that we set a theme song for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Star Wars Week Celebration, Neurology Podcast Style. And cut. Wow. Boba Fett's theme song just slaps, man. Just, oh. Gosh, who who made the who was the theme music? Do you remember who was like Star Wars composer? Who's like the guy who makes like all the? So this was from Battlefront One, the 2015 version. Uh, let's see who I mean, all these songs uh, were incredible in that video John, game. John John Williams, that's it. John Williams. Oh, John yeah. Williams, the one and only. Gosh, this man, this man, just he makes bops like. Gosh. And he's still alive to tell the story to this gosh, day, man. He slaps my guy. <laughs> all right. Um, do you want to start? You um, I got a few here. So, All right. once again, um, ladies and gentlemen, we got some uh submissions from you, the audience, of what you enjoyed from Star Wars and why. And I'm gonna kind of uh summarize some of these because a lot of you mentioned the same thing. A lot of you chose Episode One, The Phantom Menace. What an exciting, oh. exciting movie! As a kid, that came out in 1999. Exciting movie being a kid watching this. All of you had the same answer. The pod racers. The 
the famous Siwadal racing whoa, whoa, whoa. gut. Are etiquette. you talking about? Are you talking about the Moss Eisley Canteen? Yes, the, Bo- the Buta Eve Classic. Yes, oh! that dude, that that race, that whole sequence, everything about that part of the movie was so pivotal both to the entire film. It's so exciting, man. Being mm. a kid watching this, it was so cool. Like you're rooting Anakin on, and you know it's awesome seeing that. What, what do you think about the Phantom Menace overall, Jack? I I'm, I usually get hate for this, but I think it's my favorite, like of the prequel trilogy. I really loved. I liked this film. I understood people's complaints of it being a little bit slow, but I've never mind slow. Um, I think it makes the action scenes and the really intense scenes more, more dynamic mm-hmm. and cool. Um. Like you said, the pod race scene was like pivotal for its time, like just insane. Um, of course, little Anakin was a bit annoying, and when you watch, <laughs> when you when you go on to watch that, when you watch Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, like I did, like back to back. The relationship between Padme and Anakin just gets super weird in Episode Two because you're like, he's a kid, like. You know, kugelaf.com. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's just that that part's really weird. But I love, love the final fight scene between Darth Maul and Qui Gon and Obi Wan. Like, just amazing. Like, Ray Park, man, he's such an awesome person. And him as Darth Maul was so menacing. Do, and do, athleticism, dude. Yeah. Yeah, do you want to know what I love about that about that fight scene in particular? It's not the actual like the choreography itself is amazing and really cool. Yeah. But my favorite part about that is the, the like the very quiet moment between when the when they're going through the ray shield doors and you know Obi-Wan gets fallen behind cuz he got, you know, pushed off the ledge like the little wimp that he is. Um <laughs> And so it's just Qui-Gon and Darth Maul and they get separated by these ray shield doors. And I just love it's so in tune with their characters. Like what happens is they both they both um like disengage their lightsabers and Obi-Wan goes down on both knees and he starts to like meditate and just recenter himself. Whereas Darth Maul, this apprentice, this very young and bloodthirsty Sith, it just starts pacing back and forth like an animal that sees its prey on the other side of a glass window at like a zoo or something like a lion or something like that. Yeah. Just like, just so like animal, like, and you see like this snarl on his face and it's just, it was that moment. And you see Obi-Wan and he's like, he's again, he's a Padawan, right? Like not very experienced. He's in centering and trying to calm himself. Like, Oh, like Qui-Gon is. And you know, he's just bouncing back and forth. Like he's just getting himself hyped to get back in there. And as, and that's just what makes it so much cooler when the, the ray shield doors they disengage and it just gets right back into the fighting like it just oh i loved that moment so much like it built up the tension so well for me yeah and you also had one of john williams's iconic star wars theme songs duel of the fates yep that's when it was introduced and what's so funny about that theme is like a lot of star wars fights whether it be like the newer lightsaber duels or even some fights in the animated series they always double dub that theme song over the original stuff they use for the. Because I imagine composers come in and like, like whoever's directing the episodes, like, all right, I need you to make like a cool, like lightsaber fight scene song. He's like, can't do it. 
why not? Someone already did it. It's already been done. It's already been done. Yeah. Like it, that fight, like, and um, you watch like kind of like the behind the scenes of, um, I think it's had like the behind the scenes of like Star Wars thing, like making the Mandalorian and stuff like that. Oh yeah. And Dave Filoni, he talks about that fight scene in particular, right? And what that means, like that fight scene, that shapes the rest of the the rest of Star Wars because yes. it's they're not fighting for the fate of the Jedi or the Sith. They are fighting for the fate of, you know, Anakin Skywalker. Right. If Qui-Gon were to live in that fight, like it would have been a much, much different path for Anakin. Because unlike like Obi-Wan kind of was he took Anakin under his wing just as a promise to his former master. He didn't want yeah. to do it, right? And so that's why there's like Obi-Wan never treated Anakin the way that Qui-Gon would have. Like Obi-Wan was more of an older brother sort of to Anakin, whereas Qui-Gon would have been that father figure that Anakin really yearned and longed for and would have yeah. done so much better with. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. You mentioned that big brother figure as opposed to a father figure. What is the estimated age difference between Anakin and Obi-Wan, do you think? Well, I would I can... imagine Anakin is like 9 or 10, maybe? 8 or 9 in Phantom Menace? Obi-Wan is probably like in his late teens, early 20s? Um, Let me look it up. So, so um, the prequel trilogy, um, and you're rather younger, um, and A New Hope. Okay, so there's a couple years, so um, let me just do the math. There's a 12-year difference. Okay, yeah, that, that, yeah. Fits, uh, that fits the role as an older brother figure, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Phantom Menace. Uh, <laughs> that was my first Star Wars film that I saw. Um, my dad, if you ever speak to my dad in person, Jack, eventually if you visit or vice versa, he's going to tell you that same story he tells every single person that walks to my house when we watch Star Wars stuff. Oh, yeah, when Junior was five years old, he wanted to go see Star Wars, and he was scared of Darth Maul. He used to be scary. <laughs> he was scary, man. He was scary. If you're a five-year-old watching yeah. this movie, he's pretty scary. Yeah. But, like... Yeah. It's <laughs> no, I, I I get it, yeah. But yeah, man, that that film that film was always gonna be in a special place in my heart because that was my first Star Wars film that I saw, and um, it was exciting. You know, everything about that movie was exciting, and yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jar Jar breaks. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. There's one. There's one part that didn't need to happen. Um, Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, I mean, I would have gladly watched Darth Maul gut him or just kill him like i just I, I i don't know i didn't like him i don't think Annie, anybody Annie, did Annie. yeah yeah oh, shut up <laughs> <laughs> all right well what do you what do you got jack what do i got as far as um next submission what do i got this one was very interesting and i, and I want to be the first thank you to you sue who, who submitted this if you're listening you know who you are um they start with controversial but i love the force awakens the end scene makes me emotional every time. So for those of you who can't remember, the end scene is where Ray holds out the lightsaber to the mm. hermit Luke Skywalker who, you know, got lost for whatever reason. Um, interesting. This was, I remember, I remember how big of a deal The Force Awakens was when that first trailer came out. Yeah. This, it, you know, 
it was supposed to be something big and grand. And I think it let a lot of fans down because it was a new hope recycled with a few things changed. Yeah, basically. That being said, it was still an okay movie, but yeah. Just not. It, it was the best of the of the sequel trilogy. I liked it the best out of yeah. eight and nine. Well, when you have two just hot garbage movies and then you have one turd that's been polished with sprinkles, you're obviously going to take the one with sprinkles because it just looks a little bit more visually appealing. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts of episode seven overall? To be honest, I don't remember a whole lot about it. Um, the moments that I do remember are cool. I thought, I remember how cool it was when Kylo Ren stopped the blaster bolt. Like, oh, in the beginning? That, yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, I liked his voice. Kylo Ren sounded really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, he was the best character of the whole trilogy, right? Oh, yeah. I thought, of course, he was the best. The lightsaber fights, for some reason, were really bad in this film. They were weak. They were super, like, to think of, like, the great stunt, like, how far we've come in stunt work and choreography, that it felt somehow worse than the fight scenes in A New Hope. Like, yeah. There was nothing exciting about those fights. Um, I just mentioned Ray Park earlier as Darth Maul. He was doing these flips and these corkscrews and all this other fancy stuff. And that was in 1999. Um, The Force Awakens came out in 2015. But yeah. that was what uh nine was that uh tw- nineteen years later, you know, and they couldn't yeah. or sixteen years later. Sorry, I don't know math, but like you know, you would think it would have been a lot more exciting or athleticism was involved. But somehow, somehow, it got worse as the movies progressed, right? Yes. Like the 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 throne room fight scene from the Last Jedi, like it it felt even weaker, right? Like. And that's partly due to the fact that the director, for some reason, decided to let the actors do their own action when they should have had stunt people do it, right? Yeah. Um, I saw if you watch, um, if anyone watches The Corridor Crew, they do an episode with a stunt guy who talks about how that scene could have been improved. And it talks about why, like, you know, stunt guys, they basically have to, like, wait for the actors to be ready. And so there's a lot of moments where, like, they just pause or do, like, spins with something with their weapons, like the elite like Praetorian guards. And then, you know, he talked about another cool thing where it's like in that fight, they never use the force and they should have done that. Right. To like, you know, like if they start to feel like they're getting overwhelmed, that can help you like create breathing room in a fight. Right. Like being able to just push your enemies back a little bit and like be able to rebalance yourself in a sense. Um, But yeah, it, it is controversial because I don't, it's definitely the weaker, it's from the weaker star Wars trilogy. Um, and the emotional scene that the scene that makes you emotional every time, yeah. Well, just don't watch the next movie because it basically just ruins all emotional impact that scene had by Luke Skywalker just huck the lightsaber behind him and drinking the blue milk and uh, just uh, enjoying it. <laughs> um, I will say this uh, for me personally, I have a different opinion about the Force Awakens. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty decent. It was exciting. Um, yes, it was a New Hope twenty fifty. 2015 version but i really like kylo ren's character um i thought it was a pretty interesting uh route they took of killing off han solo and that was a pretty dark scene i mean that was pretty crazy and then um seeing uh supreme lord snoke's uh introduction too he could have been 
he could have been an amazing character had they yep. had they taken I, my famous word had he nurtured the character he would have been a pretty awesome character man but wasted he got killed off in one movie the next movie and this guy who's supposed to be like a supreme ruler didn't detect Kylo Ren changing the lightsaber to his direction that's all on a baloney even though it was a cool way for him to, you know, get killed, but yeah, it was completely implausible. Um, yeah, you go next. Let's let's. Yeah. Um, another one here. Um, this is actually my overall. This is my second favorite film of the franchise, personally speaking. But um, some of the audience here, and this is three of them estimated this. <laughs> I like the way one of them put, execute order sixty six. So that one is um, re- what is it here? That is Revenge of the Sith. I'm so I'm ashamed. Three. I'm ashamed for you that you even had to check your notes to figure out what film that was from. I drove three hours before getting on this recording studio, so don't don't judge me. Pathetic. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, that is my second favorite film of this entire Star Wars franchise. Um. Man, you see the final downfall of Anakin Skywalker, um, that final fight between him and Obi-Wan there, and that famous scene, I got the higher ground, Anakin. Like, <laughs> a lot of this stuff was pretty cool, man. I like I like this movie. How about you? Yeah, um, this goes for Attack of the Clones, too. A thing that really dragged down Revenge of the Sith for me was the George Lucas has this way of writing dialogue where oh, he geez. where he writes things that sound like so much cooler movies than the one that we are watching. So or a lot cooler scenes I should say than the one that we are currently watching and you're like why can't we get to see that? Thankfully, a wonderful human being named Dave Filoni came up to George Lucas and was like, "Hey, why don't we expand on these ideas that you've kept on talking about instead of yeah. just say them." Um so yeah, but the the final lightsaber fight was, um, I I think I watched that. I think I used to skip the entire movie just so I could get to that. Like, just some of the craziest lightsaber fight I've ever seen. And keep in mind, both Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor did did all of it. So take notes, Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver. Like that is proper. <laughs> that is proper lightsaber work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you got, Jack? Uh, I had a funny one. Uh, I just wanted to mention this one because I thought it was hilarious. They didn't give a reason why, but space balls. That... Okay. Counts. Passable. Counts. Passable. Passable. I, I think that movie is hilarious. It is I, very funny. Yeah. The the whole like do you remember like the the scene where it's like where they like figure out where some of the main characters are going by? They're like, we'll use the home video set. He's like, what? And then he like plugs in just the VHS tape and he's like, we're watching an early release of Spaceballs. And he's like, and then he's like, everything that just happened now is now going to film. He's like, when? Just now. When did that just happen? We just missed it. When? Now. And it's like that whole scene, comedy gold. And yeah, I, I love it. Um, yeah, on definitely. A more, on a more serious note, I'll just say a quick serious one. Rogue One. I'm pretty sure he must have got that submission as well. Yeah. Rogue One was... Um, this person said just because it was such a diverse and unique Star Wars story that hadn't been done. Yes. That's right. True story. And also they expanded on just a minor piece of dialogue from A New Hope. Yeah. They were literally just a, a line. Just 
oh yeah, Rogue One got the disc for us, and they they made that into a whole movie, which is cool, and I liked it. Yeah, um, I mentioned how Revenge of the Sith was my second favorite movie. Well, maybe by unpopular opinion, but Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars film because wow. of the diversity as the person that submitted it to you mentioned. Um, and Jack, you and I talked about this in the past. Not everything Star Wars has to be about Jedis and lightsaber duels. We no, seen we seen how the Mandalorian saw how the Mandalorian handled this situation. We saw how the Clone Wars towards the end handled it. We saw the Bad Batch are handling it now. It's still exciting without the lightsabers. But when it came to Rogue One, that lightsaber action that we saw towards the end of the film when Darth Vader completely obliterated the rebels, that was iconic. That scared the living daylights out of me. Because prior to uh any other film, we never seen saw Darth Vader as Darth Vader be so brutal. Yeah, like that got... was crazy, dude. When when he forced um forced uh one of the rebels to the ceiling, yeah. and then he, <laughs> he basically chops him in half. Yeah. No, and dude. even before he did that, he forced him onto the ceiling and he just kept on like it, Oh, you're right. Like, yes. He just kept on blocking blaster and then like just in a sort of a passing thing, he's like, Here you go. And he just That's like right. he swings behind him and gets him and then like yeah, it was so cool because it was like he he just felt like he just felt like a behemoth. Like every swing he did, just like it was one swing for every yes. person. They didn't right. have a chance. They they and especially that final rebel who handed the the, the you know the the Death Star plans to the other rebel on the other side of the door. He knew he was gonna die. He's like, here, take it, take it, and yeah. then he dies. <laughs> Dude, that movie was great. I I love that movie a lot, and um. I forget the character's name, the the blind guy. Um, oh, I don't remember his name either. I just know his the actor named Donnie Yen. But when they put the bag over his head, are you kidding me? I'm blind. Yeah. <laughs> and he was really cool as well. Like that whole fight scene of him against all the stormtroopers. Yeah. Where he's just using the wooden staff and just like snapping necks and cashing checks. Like it yep. was that that yeah. I I loved all of it. The the characters were so unique and cool and. Um, the the best droid in any film, K two S O, voiced oh, by Alan Tudyk. You know, dude. And then we saw the Death Star, in its fullest form for the first time. Oh, seeing that Death Star just destroy that planet. Was it Jeddah that it destroyed the planet? Yeah, I forget the Jeddah, dude. That was that was crazy seeing that. Yeah, like again, it was just like Darth Vader. They just made it like you fully understood why the empire is so terrifying like yeah like literally when it like like the horizon like it was like a tidal wave of Dude. earth rolling towards you like what a scary thing and you know people who are looking at this they know they're gonna die there's no way of escaping that but just put nope. yourself in their in their shoes seeing that the obliteration coming towards you knowing that this is going to be your last few seconds alive dying in a brutal way hopefully it was instant for them but and like man. yeah and the coolest shot of that movie is when the death star rotated in front of the sun and like 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 chills literal chills dude i i loved everything about this movie um even since the beginning i loved um director credit he's one of my favorite characters in star wars um, i like the actor in general that actor that portrayed him um Dude, this movie was great. I loved it. Yeah. And that's why it's my favorite Star Wars film. Um, 
Let's see, you're next. What else, what else you got, Jack? Um, I had someone who mentioned the uh, Clone Wars series, um, especially the final season. It was totally epic. Mm-hmm. Word, it was, 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, hands down, some of the best expanded Star Wars material we've ever gotten. Oh, yeah. And it ended on such a great note. So, <laughs> good for them. Uh, I feel like we've talked about that so much. Like, it just... Hey man, yeah. it's it's Star Wars week. Who cares? Yeah, I I love the way it expanded on clones and gave them personalities, and you know we got to see such unique clones and stuff like that. And um, even the Jedi, like having Anakin have a Padawan, was a great idea, and it really made his character really seem mature. Especially yeah. if you go back and watch Revenge of the Sith, and St- Revenge of the Sith, you now see him as like. He he was a mentor now, like a mentor figure, and you have a much more respect for him, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, let me go ahead and read off these. I'm just, I'm not gonna go. To, we're not gonna go into detail because I want us to share our favorite thing, Star Wars. Okay. To close it, but um, one person put Star Wars Republic Commando, only video game I remember not having a, any Jedi. Oh yes. my goodness! Amazing. I'm so glad somebody mentioned that because. I loved that game. So, like, I must yeah. have finished that game like five times over. Like, Republic Commandos, thank you for whoever suggested that. Like, <laughs> my guy. Shout out to my homie. He's from Hawaii that actually submitted that. Ah. So, shout out to you, bro. Um, another person put Star Wars Battlefront 2, the original one. Great co op. Galactic Conquest mm. was amazing. Yes, that was pretty cool. And you can choose sides as well in that video game. So, that was, of course, I'm a Sith. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. I always went for the bad guys in that one. Um, Someone else said Revenge of the Sith. Genius. He put that all in caps. Transition from the prequels to the original trilogy. Yeah, sure was. And last one here. Um, here. Knights of the Old Republic, because it made, the, in his opinion, the greatest Star Wars character of all time, Darth Revan. Yep, Darth Revan. Kator yeah. was, again, Dang. another game that I grinded the crap out of. So, <laughs> yeah. That and... Um, the Old Republic, Star Wars, The Old Republic. Yes. So, how about you? Well, any um, summarized submissions that you want to share? Um, um, that we again, a lot of. Uh, I got. I, I kind of like opened it up to like any form of Star Wars media. Uh, I had okay. someone who submitted the music video, the Bad Lip Reading music video, Seagull Stop It Now. I it's know, like I'm not you're, familiar you're, with that. Go look it up after. It's hilarious. Okay. For all of those who don't know, for all of those who do know what it is, comedy gold. Um, <laughs> nice. Obviously, people. I got a bunch of people submit Empire Strikes Back. Oh yeah. And Return of the Jedi. Yes. Those were. I got a lot of submissions for those films. Nice. Yeah. So um, I already mentioned my favorite film was Rogue One, Star Wars related. Favorite series, in short, The Clone Wars. The Mandalorian is just slightly below it, but yeah. Clone Wars. I'm sorry, it was better. Um. I'm not familiar with the comics or books, anything like that. But video game, my personal favorite video game was the first Battlefront that came out in 2015. Mm-hmm. Because it was such a big thing. And I remember, dude, like, I mean, this is nostalgic now. I mean, this is only six years ago. But I remember this, you know. A lot of my friends and I, like, ten more of us will go online at a party. And just play to, like, one, two in the morning, like, online. Whether it's against each other or, you know, Supremacy, the big maps that have 40 players. Like, dude. That game was so perfectly done, and we played one of the theme songs for that game, um, Boba Fett's theme song. So, 
That's one of my favorite Star Wars games, if not my favorite Star Wars game. But what about you? So your favorite movie, series, game, etc. Uh, favorite movie is oh, probably Empire Strikes Back. Um, Why is that? I just it was like crazy, and I can't even imagine what it was like at the time to have Darth Vader be revealed, like the the perfect plot twist of Darth Vader being Luke Skywalker's father. Dang. And that fight, and the Luke Skywalker Darth Vader fight scene is just iconic, like a game of cat and mouse that Luke Skywalker is so clearly losing, but somehow manages to keep a foothold in it, regardless. Dang. Um. And then favorite TV series, Clone Wars, all the way. You enough said. Like yeah, it just yeah, it just was amazing in almost every way. And then game is a tie between Republic Commandos. See, I've loved every Star Wars game that I've played. Dude, um, all of them have been good. Yeah, cause Force Unleashed 2 was the last one that I played, and that was pretty weak. Yeah. Um, Force Unleashed 1 was like, wow. Like, I remember playing that, and I was like, that is the ultimate like power trip. Like, <laughs> I still remember to this day, like, the mission where it's like you bring down like an, an Imperial cruiser with the Force, and you stop it. Like, you full on drag it out of the sky into the ground. Like, that was so cool. But I got to, you know, actually, Fallen Order was really fun as well. But oh, I'm. When did that one come out? Like in 2020? 20, 2015. No, 2016. 2016? 20, yeah. Fallen Order okay. I think came out. And that was really fun as well. Um, But I think it's going to be K Tour. Knights of the Old Republic was probably my favorite Star Wars game. Just because it again, Darth Revan was such a unique and interesting character. Um, but yeah, and then what did I say my favorite one was Empire Strikes Back. It's a tie between that and I think I want to say Phantom Menace because I think Phantom <laughs> Menace was a really cool for me. So, dang, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. I, 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 not I forgot about Jedi Fallen Order. I don't know how I forgot about that, but yeah, it came out. Uh, just a few years ago, not too long ago, and yeah, it was pretty cool. And I, I actually like that actor too, um, that portrays uh, Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's come out a lot of uh, a lot of cool um, movies and films, and you know, different projects. So it was pretty cool seeing him as a Star Wars character. <laughs> yeah, and boy, when when he when he meets Darth Vader for the first time, Darth Vader's just as mad as he does Rogue One. <laughs> yep, crazy, <laughs> crazy. Um, yeah, so. Uh, we had a lot of submissions. We wish we could have read every single one in detail, but I mean, I personally got ten. I'm sure Jack has gotten a lot between Nerdology Podcast and his personal page. Surprisingly, like, Nerdology Podcast only got one, but yes, my personal page got <laughs> tons. Well, thank God for our personal accounts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got a lot. Well, anyways, we like to thank you all for your submissions, and you know, it's only fitting that we have to play this here. <laughs> You know, I will say this. One thing about Star Wars is their consistency of theme songs. That song was used after every single Star Wars film towards yep. the, uh, to end it. I appreciate that. Yep. That's what I appreciate about it. Yep. Star Wars is... I imagine we're going to have Star Wars for the next 20 years. I have a feeling that 
it's just going to be one of those things where it'll never get old because it better not no matter who you are there will be a time in your life where you can think about how you felt going to see a star wars film in theaters like yeah, yeah. amazing well ladies and gentlemen boys and girls we'd like to thank you for enduring our teardown of Zack snyder's justice league and our favoritism our high views of the bad batch and of course we'd like to thank you all uh, for your submissions we had a lot so it's still star wars week it's barely saturday night and um we still got one more day to celebrate so go get go get caught up in all those movies folks watch them all before the night's over i don't know if you, you have, have enough time but try make fast time, forward damn it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um jack um next week uh, we have some other stuff coming up uh, we have the bad batch season one episode two review um also what is coming back next week that pertains to you recall no you told me that you texted me about this a few days ago what Did you I wanted know? to bring back oh right what's Guys. coming back next week jack <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry uh okay um next week ladies and gentlemen get your cozy pants ready get your red wine out <laughs> next week jack's music corner is coming back bigger better than ever wait what's coming back again Jack's Music Corner. Yes. You didn't want it, but you're getting it anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's all we have as of now. We're going to fill up the segments um, as we get closer to um, fr next Friday coming up. And um, we'll keep you guys in the loop. But what's else? what else will be um, treating you guys to? But before we close up shop, Jack, as always, do you have any parting words of wisdom for our fans here as one of my favorite clones from the clone wars used to say this this is from hard case everybody oh, i love to kill clankus <laughs> well on that note ladies and gentlemen boys and girls and people of all ages thank you for joining us here with the nerdology podcast <laughs>